Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to Small Business Digest Radio. My name is Don Mazzella, and I am your host for a program devoted to identifying strategies and suggestions to help small business managers increase profits, add sales, better manage cash flow, improve employee management, and streamline operations. Our guests are other entrepreneurs and experts offering their solutions to the problems and opportunities facing small business leaders. Our aim in each program is to provide one or two thought-provoking ideas or suggestions. So follow us on Twitter at hashtag 2SBDigest or at our website at www.smallbusinessdigest.net. Tonight's program I think you'll find very interesting. One of, uh, we're going to start off with a very interesting guest. Um, and actually he came to us as part of um, uh, a study we were doing. Uh, we surfaced uh, Information Strategies, uh, our parent company. We, we surfaced the fact that uh, a, a lot of small business uh, owners uh, don't have retirement plans. And then, uh, lo and behold, The Guardian uh, uh, released a study. To talk about that and other things, we have Doug Dubitsky, Vice President of Guardian Retirement Solutions. Doug, welcome to the program. Thank you, and thank you for having me on this evening. Well, uh, it's a subject that uh, has a a lot of interest to to a lot of people. Uh, The interesting thing is that uh, last year there were more businesses for sale than at any time in the prior 10 years. And it was primarily from owners who were uh, ready to retire and whose uh, children didn't want the business. But uh, and. Part of it was, uh, as we we started to talk to these owners, that they had not done an adequate job of uh, providing for their own retirement, thinking the business would be their retirement nest egg. But that's all I'm going to say on it. I'm going to leave the rest of it to you. But as we always do, we ask our guests a little bit about themselves personally before we continue. Doug, tell us a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. So I am Doug Dubitsky. As, as you stated, I am with Guardian Life Insurance Company. I am vice president responsible for the Retirement Solutions Group, uh, which is both the group and individual retirement uh, areas of the company. I've been involved in the industry uh, most of my career, so roughly over 20 years at this point. I live in the tri-state New York City area, actually in, in New Jersey. Um, and on, on a personal note, I'm just enjoying this time of year where we have the hockey playoffs and the basketball playoffs. Unfortunately, my hockey team is not in the playoffs anymore, but uh, seeing some thrilling games, which has been keeping me up way way too late these last few nights as, as I watch these games run on and on. Um, other than that, very happy to be on the show and talk with you about some of the things we've been studying and seeing as it relates to small businesses. Well, um, the floor is now yours. What have you found? Okay, well, you know, a couple of things that go on uh, in in regards to specifically the small business world, and and I'll start off by 
just mentioning a survey that's put out by EBRI, uh, which is the Employee Benefit Research Institute. So that is a um, private, nonpartisan, nonprofit research institute that's out of Washington, um, focusing on the health, savings, retirement, and economic security issues of the country. They're not lobbyists, and they don't take policy positions, but they do put out a study every year called the Retirement Confidence Survey. So it's the EBRI Retirement Confidence Survey. And it contains a a myriad of of very interesting data. I think as it applies to your audience and to the people that, that would be focused on this, one data point that I think is very important that could lead into some of the things we'll discuss this evening is that workers with some form of a retirement plan, whether through their employee or their employer or an IRA, have significantly more savings and investment than those do who do not have a plan. Right? So just so I can be clear with that, workers who have a form of a retirement plan, either an employer sponsored plan or an individual retirement account that they're funding themselves, have significantly more in savings and investment than those do without a plan. And as we know, the issue of retirement income security in this country, as the demographic wave, uh, wave shifts over the next few years that we've already entered into, is going to become increasingly more important. So I think as a starting point, that's one of the things we need to focus on. Well, continue. Okay. So, you know, when you think about that then, how do most people, when they think about a retirement savings plan, think about it in one of the most popular forms, is in the form of a 401k plan. And, you know, that we recently, Guardian participated in, in, in a study called the Guardian Small Plan 401k Retire Wealth Study, right? And we wanted to look at what was working and not working for U.S. small businesses. So we, we put together with a partner named Bright Work Partners a study that we recently released. And there were several items that came out of this study that were so important, both uh, for us as a, as a manufacturer of these products but more importantly for the small businesses that utilize these. One is that a 401k plan, I think most of your audience will understand what they are. You know, the first and most important factor is that 401ks are delivering uh, on what they're supposed to do for the majority of small business owners. Right? And when I talk about that, you hear a lot in the media lately on 401ks and fees and regulation and all of the other items. What's most important for us is that they remain the most effective and efficient way to provide a retirement savings vehicle for people in this country. So in terms of being able to accumulate assets that will be geared and earmarked for retirement that can later be converted into a form of retirement income, the 401k plan remains the most effective and efficient way. And when we cut through all of the noise and, and all of the uh, things that you hear out there, the most important part is that we found overall satisfaction with your 401k plan, and this is from the employer standpoint, we found an over 90% satisfied rating. Actually, very satisfied at 56% and somewhat satisfied at 42%. And, and for uh, clarification, we were looking at employers with anywhere up to 249 employees. So from the very small business, there's still what's considered a a small business uh, in in terms of the plant size. So, again, I have been involved in research in the financial services industry um, 
throughout my career and to come upon something that shows an over 90% satisfaction rating is tremendously impressive. Well, you're talking about 401, and uh, uh, a small business leader can uh, can get a 401. But uh, why is it that uh, I think somewhere that I read, or I think in your study, that a lot of small business owners don't have such plans? Correct, correct. We have, and, and we can. We'll get to that in a moment. You are still seeing roughly half the small business owners not offering a- any plan at all. So in getting to some of the reasons there. I'm going to talk both about what we're seeing as a positive and what I think are some of the, the roadblocks or the hurdles that small business owners and employers are seeing when it comes to setting up their plan. So the first key takeaway, though, as I stated, is that 401k plans are delivering what they're supposed to deliver for many small I- employers. Right? A second key takeaway, and we'll go back to each of these in, in greater detail, is that providers and financial professionals, so both the manufacturers of the plan and financial services professionals. And that can be in the form of a financial services rep. It could be in the form of a CPA. It could be in the form of of an attorney who's familiar with these. I know that the small business owner often relies on many different um, people for that plan. Um, So when you look at that, the financial services professional can help improve the experience. We know that there are many issues that come up that sometimes keep people at bay when it comes to this. Some of them regard the fiduciary responsibility. Some of them involve the aspects of ERISA, the the, the code that governs 401k plans. There's the issue of cost. Obviously, there is a cost involved with setting up a plan. Um, And so what we look at is that when a small business owner works with the right professional, there is often a way to overcome those hurdles. Because one of the most important things that we see is that if you go back to the point I made originally, workers with some form of a retirement plan have significantly more in savings and investments than those do without a plan. Obviously, offering a retirement plan is critical towards attracting and retaining key employees, which is a critical act, aspect of competitiveness in the small business market. So, again, we looked at these small business owners. We looked at our plants. And some of the questions that we went through in this survey was, you know, does your 401k plan help you to recruit good employees? Again, over 90% said that was a successful or very successful tool in recruiting good employees. Does your plan help you keep your organization competitive when it comes to benefits? Again, a similar statistic. Between somewhat successful and very successful, we're seeing over 90% on retaining your employees, that is again the case. Um, and one of the things that's, that's obviously a very important factor for anybody who cares about their employees and, and, and wants to see the success not just of their business but of the people who have helped them build their business, which is does having a 401K plan help your employee retire with adequate income security? And again, that's an overwhelmingly positive response to that. So if we look down the path for the small business owner, recruiting good employees, retaining good employees, and then providing your employees with the means to have a successful and secure retirement, the 401k plan delivers on all of those. And I think those are very important parts that you cannot overlook. Well, uh, that's true. And uh, 
uh, I, I noticed uh, that uh, a, a lot of large corporations are um, uh, closing their old pension plans and just pr providing 401 or what, what are called, if I'm correct, defined contribution plans. Um, and obviously they must see it. But why don't small business uh, leaders provide them? Uh, so I think it goes back to the items we just discussed. I think, first of all, there's confusion, right? There's a lot to do when you're a small business owner or, or running a, a, a smaller business when you're not in, you know, the large companies, say a Guardian, where I, where I am employed. Right? You don't have a benefits department. You don't have a large human resources department. So sometimes the, the small business owner will look at this option and say, yes, I agree. You know, if they're listening to this show right now, they may be saying, I agree with everything this gentleman is saying, but I don't have the time. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the capabilities to properly set up this plan. Right? They look at the out-of-pocket expenses, the cost to set up the plan. They look at the, 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 just the term fiduciary. That could scare a lot of people who don't know what it is. Or they look at the term ERISA, which, again, commonplace when you're in the business and, and within the defined contributions uh, industry, as I am. But to somebody not in it, that might be an off-putting term. And they look at the complexity and, and the time that's needed to do this, and they maybe get you know, stand off a little bit and think, this is not for me. But we go back to the points we just made. What is most important to the small business owner is having good employees, is retaining good employees. So when you talk about the cost of, of the plan, I think it's, you could balance that off of what does it cost you to attract a good employee? And what does it cost you to retain that employee? Or better yet, what does it cost you when you lose that employee and you have to now go and recruit, train, and onboard, or recruit, onboard, and train a new replacement employee? So you can look at cost in many different ways. There is the cost of implementing a plan, but there may be the, higher, the far greater cost of not having that and not being able to attract and retain the best employees. So I think that is issue number one. When you come to issues such as fiduciary and ERISA and the complexity of these plans, I'm not going to dispute that. These are uh, complex issues, and they require knowledge and thought about how to go about setting them up. So one of the things that was very clear to us in, in our study is that employers who work with a financial professional are far happier and have much greater satisfaction with their 401k plan than those who go the you know self the self uh, setup route. And again, that financial professional may come in many formats. Probably the most common is in the form of a financial services representative. Um, you know, it could be an agent of a company like The Guardian, but it has nothing to do specifically with our own company. It could be a financial representative or agent of many different financial services firms. What also is very important is when you're dealing with the manufacturer of these plans and you have providers such as The Guardian, and I have many high-quality colleagues, you know, across the industry, competitors of mine, who also provide the same you know, services and, and features, we have created scenarios where you have an almost off-the-shelf solution, a 401k plan in a box, so to speak, where we've taken a lot of the complications of this and streamlined it so that the business owner can run his business 
the financial services rep who partners with that business owner can implement the plan. And as the provider, we can handle the issues that alleviate all the concerns that come along with terms like ERISA and fiduciary and fund selection and take that off the plate. What we want to see happen is for the person running the business to run their business and for us as the provider to set up a retirement plan that helps that person retain, recruit and retain the best employees they can. But uh, all that's well and good. But if a, a majority of the business owners don't have the retirement plan, um, what does that say about how we've not educated them or we're not a saving nation? Uh, you know, the dichotomy, everything you say is very, very true and uh, very important. Yet the owner himself, the old saying, the shoemaker goes without shoes. The uh, small uh, business owner hasn't been doing it. Do you see uh, this changing or well, first question is, why is that? And the second one is, is it changing? So I, I think it is a lack of education is one of the factors that's doing it. I think as you're seeing now over the last few years, uh, probably with so many aspects of not just the financial services industry, you're seeing it in the healthcare industry, you're seeing it probably in every industry in the country, you know, regulation increases complexity as, as a result of that regulation increases. So I think you are seeing hurdles that appear, and that's a key term I want to say, hurdles that appear greater to the small business owner. So, you know, in terms of has this always been the case, you mentioned before, you know, the, the, the disappearing of pensions. So, you know, quite some time ago, pensions would have been a far more common um, savings vehicle for, for people in this country, and those have slowly... Uh, shifted away, and, and there are some companies that, that still provide them, but many do not. And the shift towards a defined contribution as opposed to a defined benefit plan uh, took precedence. When we look at the hurdles that have been set up, I do believe it's a lack of education and, and a fear. What we've seen, and, and you know, it's, it's interesting because I work on both sides of the shop, both in terms of the group benefits products, such as the defined contribution plan or the 401k plan as well as individual products such as annuities, variable fixed income annuities, and the, and the whatnot. And both on the, with, with the employer-sponsored plans as well as an individual plan, fear and, and lack of understanding can be a great inhibitor to action. Right? We see that over and over again. People know what they need to do. You know, again, to go back to what we saw from the retirement confidence study, people who have a plan save more for retirement. People who have a plan feel more confident about retirement. And people who have a plan, again, whether it's an employer-sponsored plan or an individual plan, right, have assets at retirement that can be, ver can be converted into income in retirement. So we all, when we get down to it, know what works and what doesn't work. And, again, there's not one answer, so I'm not trying to position this as there's one answer that works for everybody. But the concept of needing to be disciplined and accumulating assets during your working years that could be converted into income in your retirement years, I don't believe anybody will dispute that. What ends up happening is people become confused. People become um, scared isn't probably the right word, but really paralyzed 
by the inability to overcome some of the issues that, that go on with setting up something that may be out of their wheelhouse. And each one of us, regardless of the business you're in, whether you're in the business that I'm in, the business that, that you're in, Don, or if you know, you're running a trucking company, you're running a, a small sheet metal factory, you know, you're running a, a, a bakery, every one of us is working very hard at the profession we're in. You know, there's, probably, there's probably never been an easy time to work. This certainly is not an easy time to work. I don't believe there ever has been one, but if there has been, this isn't it. Right? <laughs> so people are, are working very hard and have a lot to do. And so when you, when you go to your job each day, when you go to set out about things, you can sit there and say, all right, I can stick with what I'm comfortable with, which is running my trucking company, running my sheet metal shop, running my bakery, or I could try and set up a 401k plan. I know I should do it. I've seen studies. It's not just what, the, what, what I'm hearing on the radio tonight. I've seen studies that talk about the need for this. I'm losing employees to my competitor who has that plan. You know, but I, I just I don't know what to do. Right? So it's easier just to continue to do nothing and go about running my business, which I'm probably very good at. So the first step is to find somebody, and again, I, I said before, it can come from a myriad of sources. It could be your financial services professional. It could be your CPA. It could be your attorney. You know, it could be your banker, you know, the person down at the local bank branch. Any of those people would either be able to start you on the right path or put you in touch with the professional that could put you, you know, on the path to setting up a plan for, your, for yourself and for your employees. Well, on that note, Doug, uh, how can pe- people uh, r- reach you or um, and talk about this further, or uh, uh, how can people find out more? Uh, well, if you're interested in the Guardian, they can certainly reach out to, to the Guardian um, through GuardianOnline.com or GuardianLife.com, um, which is probably the best way to reach out to us. They can reach out to their guardian uh, representative, which is in almost every community in this country. So, you know, anywhere where there are small businesses, we have guardian professionals uh, working in their local business. They're, they're, you know, not centered out of New York where our home office is, but they are uh, within their own uh, communities. They can reach out that way. They can be in touch with any, you know, with their current financial services professional that they may be working with, and say if they're interested in what they heard here. Uh, in terms of the studies that I've mentioned, you can find them uh, on www.401k.guardianlife.com. So 401k.guardianlife.com. The EBRI study can be found at um, ebri.org. So, again, that's the Employee Benefit Research Institute. And if they wanted to reach you? If they want to reach me personally? Yeah. Or P- people the do. Way, they reach out. Right. The best way to do it is to reach out through your, your guardian representative in your community. So, again, we can put you in touch with them through guardianlife.com. It's the best way um, to work with that. They're the ones who should be working with the small business owner, not not myself as an individual. So I think that's really the best the best path for somebody to reach out on that. Doug, thank you for joining us. Uh, come again when you have such more good good information. I appreciate it very much. Thank you for having me. Uh, we switch now from finance. To what I find, <clears throat> excuse me, is a fascinating subject. Ann Maurer Creel 
is CEO of Smart Mom Jewelry. She has created an amazing and successful woman-owned business. And uh, I found uh, the information about her fascinating, and I hope she will, uh, you will as well. Uh, Amy, welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Don. Well, uh, we always ask our guests first, before we do anything else, to tell us a little bit about themselves personally and how you, you, you got to where you are now. Sure. Well, I am a 47-year-old mother of two, and I was in the corporate world for many years, and then I quit when my first daughter was born, just wanted to stay home with her, and figured I would do the sort of the stay-at-home thing. And I actually had a true light bulb moment um, where I was sitting in church with my daughter. She was a baby, and I had on a just a cheap strand of beads, and she was playing with it. And uh, I thought, well, this is interesting. She seems very content. Um, and then the whole thing broke, and the beads went bouncing, and it was this mortifying moment that as I was running out of the church, I actually really, truly had a light bulb where I thought, I wonder if, if there could be jewelry that would be baby-proof. Um, and so I actually sat with the idea for quite a few years because I had no background in business development or product development, so I was really out of my element and wasn't sure how best to proceed, um, and it was actually a, I had a family tragedy. My sister-in-law passed away in childbirth, which was very unexpected, and it was such a jarring experience that I found myself saying, what am I waiting for? Why don't I just take a chance and see if I can figure this out? So I think I have kind of an interesting perspective because I didn't come into it with any particular knowledge i just was a mom with an idea oh uh, so how did you go about taking your idea and making it into the company it is today yeah i mean that's the hardest part and i think that's where most people they they sort of give up before they even get started because it you have an idea and then you say well how do i make that into a real thing um and you know with with all of the resources online it's a lot easier than than it probably was at an earlier time but I just began researching and looking for people who might help me make a prototype. Um, and I approached it in a very kind of methodical way. And, and I thought, all right, this is such a huge project, but I'm going to look at it in small bites. I'm not going to try to accomplish everything at once. And so I just would try to accomplish various pieces of it um, and was able to get some samples made and, and really grew it very slowly and in a very grassroots sort of way because I didn't start off with any kind of uh, major budget. I had no backers. I had no investors. So it, it really was kind of the, you know, starting in my basement sort of story. Well, okay, you had a couple of prototypes. What did you do next? Um, the next thing I did after I got the prototypes, I needed to make some adjustments. It didn't look exactly the way that I wanted it to, so there was some back and forth there. And then I began to work on a name for the product, and I created a very basic website with the help of a friend of a friend sort of thing, you know, really on the cheap. And, um, and then I just began using the mom community to help get the word out. And it's a, it's a fabulous way to market because, you know, moms – 
love word of mouth. And if they like a product, they will tell other people. And, of course, that's very powerful from a marketing standpoint. Um, and so I basically went to the, the bomb bloggers, that whole community, which is, of course, booming, and said, hey, I've got this product. Would you be willing to try it? I'll send you some free samples. And uh, it, it really was embraced by the whole community. And I kind of – it was sort of like a community effort that, that really started to, to build the product. And then I created a, a Facebook page and, and started to do the social media stuff. And, and that really took off uh, in a way that I didn't expect. And now I have almost 50,000 followers on Facebook alone. So um, it's really been – by going to the moms themselves and asking them to support me and give me feedback and spread the word, that's how the product started to take off. Well, that's one of the reasons uh, uh, I wanted you on this program, because you're a success story in the fact that you identified a uh, uh, a channel and really exploited it. Right. Uh, uh, what have been some of the problems along the way? Um, I've, I've definitely had a lot of missteps, made a lot of mistakes, uh, some bigger than others, because again, I you know I don't have I certainly have a better experience base now, but I didn't have the business background, so I think I was fairly naive um, starting out. But in some ways, I think that's actually helped me, believe it or not, because I think my sincerity has, has maybe been a plus because that seems to resonate with, with the mom community, that I, I am a mom, I do understand what it's like to be a mom, so uh, all of my marketing efforts are, they're not manufactured, but they're, they come from a very genuine place. Um, but I've certainly had uh, difficulties with cash flow and filling orders and uh, figuring out shipping times, you know, shipping overseas and, and not having the product on hand and I need it on hand and not having enough money to really hire staff and having to do a lot of it myself and, of course, juggling work and family. Um, so there have definitely been a lot of ups and downs. And it takes a certain kind of, I don't know, I don't know if it's just a personality type or, or something, but, you know, it's, it's hard to start a business because there isn't, you don't get much in return initially. You certainly don't get the financial return right away. So I think we have to be motivated by something beyond money and short-term gain. And for me, it was not only um, wanting to create a great product, but I also established a charity in my sister-in-law's name, so I give back to her a, a portion of my proceeds. So I'm, I'm driven by that larger purpose. And then I also created what I think is a really unique business model where now everyone on my staff is a mom and they all get to do their own thing and design their own schedules. And so I'm really proud of that and that's really motivating as well. So I have all these other reasons that I wanted to do the business that had nothing to do with, with money and I think that's helped keep me going through all of the, the ups and downs. Well, they say moms are the ultimate multitaskers. It's so true, and I think sometimes moms are overlooked as a as a um, an employee source, um, and you know a lot of moms are are frustrated because they they want to work in some way. They have tremendous skills, as you said, they're great at multitasking, but it's hard sometimes to find opportunities that are really meaningful, and of course would have some financial benefit. And I think things are changing with 
with the times, but it's still difficult for a lot of moms. But I find that with the people who work with me, they are they are the happiest employees because they don't have that push and pull with their home lives. I give them their assignments. They do them in their own time, whatever works for them. Everyone's at different stages with their children and their families. So I don't have to micromanage them. They know how to get things done. And because they don't feel pulled apart, they tend to be very efficient and just really happy workers because they do get the best of both both worlds, being able to work but also being able to put their family first. Oh, that's pretty exciting. Question, how does your husband feel about all this? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> um, it's you know, a dangerous he's very, question. He's, right, exactly. He's been very supportive. Um, however, there were absolutely times, in the, especially in the early years, when, you know, as I said, we didn't have any outside financial help. Uh, everything was just coming out of our personal savings, and money was going out the door. Nothing was coming back in. And I think he was concerned and wondering how long will this go on, how long until we see a return. And, um, you know, he's not really an entrepreneur type, and I do think that we're, we have a different mindset uh, in, in many ways. So I think it was, it was hard for him, but I was so determined and I felt so certain that it would work that I think that helped him to kind of get past his uncertainty um, but really, ultimately, he's been very supportive, and the whole family—you know, my two my two girls have been involved as well—and um, we really have gone at this as a family, which I think has is one of the reasons that it's worked. It certainly sounds that way. It certainly sounds as as if you enjoy what you're doing. I really I love what I'm doing. It feels like this is what I was meant to be doing, which is just a really wonderful place to be. And the same with the moms who work with me. I'm able to be there for my kids. I can volunteer for the PTA. I can, I can go to the science fair. I can go to various school functions. Um, I don't have to kind of answer to anyone when it comes to my children. You know, hey, I need another day off. I need another afternoon off, that sort of thing. So my family really doesn't suffer. Um, my girls get to see that I've blaze my own trail, which I think is a great message, especially for, for, young, for young women. And, um, you know, I, I get to do work that I really like, and I get to be around a lot of other women and a lot of other moms who inspire me every day. So it, it really is a wonderful job, and I'm, I feel really grateful that I was able to create this new world for myself. Um, uh, your website my website is smartmomjewelry.com, and the name of the product is Teething Bling. You can also find us at teethingbling.com. They'll both take you to the same place. And as I said, we have a really active uh, social media, which is great. It's not, uh, it's not a place where you're constantly being sold to. It's really a community where people come to ask questions about being a mom and about their kids, and there's all sorts of resources. It's, it's a very different feel from a kind of a traditional um, company website, which I'm very proud of, and I think that's one of the reasons it's done well. So there's lots of ways to reach us, and people can reach me directly. All of my information is on the website, and I'm always there to act as a, a resource for anyone else who's trying to start a business or has an idea and really doesn't know where to go. I'll share all of my contacts. I'm not proprietary about that sort of information um, because I feel like it's really important for us to help one another. Uh, and, but uh, give us at least your email 
for our audience tonight? Sure. My email is sales at smartmomjewelry.com, and it comes right to me, and I answer every email in the same day, so you'll definitely hear right back from me. Well, I can attest to that. Uh, please, uh, please, uh, Amy, th- thank you for coming uh, on with us tonight. Uh, your breath of fresh air. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. It's been my pleasure. Oh, and, and please come again. Absolutely. I would love that. Our next guest is Greg Sullivan, Chief Executive Officer for Global Velocity, a, uh, a company that is pioneering new approaches in, in, in sorry about that folks in securing information greg welcome to the program hi don thank you pleasure to be well, here well um you're going to have a tough act to follow um i don't know if you were listening but uh, we've had a very interesting entrepreneur on but you're a, a serial entrepreneur if i believe but and more importantly uh, you're here to talk about a, a a very important subject but before we do we always ask our guests uh, a little bit about their personal background so our audience gets a little flavor of you all right don thanks a lot um and uh, i did i was listening and uh, I do not have the primary qualification of your prior <laughs> guest. I am, I am not a mother. So, uh, I, am, I am a father, however, and uh, a proud father at that. So um, uh, just a, a brief background on myself. Um, I've, um, this is my um, uh, second uh, position in my career. I started a... Um, business uh, right out of college, uh, programming personal computers back in the day when uh, the IBM PC was first coming out. And um, the, um, I built that from my, um, just myself in my one-bedroom apartment in um, Dogtown in St. Louis, Missouri, to uh, over 400 people. And in uh, 2003, I sold that business to a joint venture between Accenture and Microsoft. And then in, um, uh, and then in 2005, I got involved in the cybersecurity business with this company called Global Velocity. And uh, all of that uh, was after a failed attempt to make a living playing music. <laughs> There's quite a few of us out there. Um, but, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but um, now let's. Uh, you know. Uh, you know. It's interesting. Just coming to the studio tonight, I was musing on the fact that how uh, musicians make great programmers, and uh, but not necessarily programmers make great musicians. But uh, I don't um, know if you well, ever that, noticed that. 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 We, that may that may be true. Who knows if it is in uh, my case? But I actually uh, went into computers with the idea I would um, make a million dollars and then I would live off the interest um, playing music for the rest of my life. So, mm. so the problem is problem is the interest rates went down. <laughs> so now, <laughs> so now global. I, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. No, that's okay. Thank you. Oh no! Extemporaneous utterings are sometimes the best. But um, 
we've had several people on this program because cybersecurity is so um, important. Uh, small businesses don't realize uh, how vulnerable they are. So uh, the floor is now yours. Tell us why you're here and uh, how to solve some of those problems. Well, thanks a lot. So, so I've been a small business person my entire life, and um, so have an appreciation for uh, what it means to be a small business person, um, and the uh, the challenges and the joys that uh, that go uh, along with that. Among the um, heartache that we all endure these days is the uh, potential risk of um, a cyber attack, uh, which in some cases we may or may not even know about. Um, I'll, I'll cite uh, for everyone just a couple of recent data points. But um, last in, um, in Verizon's uh, data breach investigation report, which they put out annually in their 2013 report, which was released just uh, a couple of months ago, um, they, they say that 62%, um, almost two-thirds of the known breaches in 2013 were on small and medium-sized businesses. We think... Um, it's reasonable to assume the, number, the percent's probably even higher because many times when our data is taken from us, we don't even realize it has been taken from us. And it may go to some firm that's competing with us in some way that has an advantage that, we may, that may never be revealed to us. So this goes well beyond um, the theft of uh, credit card information or healthcare information or the things that... Um, are regulated by government mandate and, and organizations that possess that information are obligated to report to the public if they lose it. But good old-fashioned corporate espionage is not only alive and well, but it is thriving. And in some cases, um, some, some people believe it could actually be one of the fastest-growing businesses uh, on the planet. McKinsey reported that they believe cybercrime has uh, in over the next five to seven years will create uh, economic value in the nine to twenty one trillion dollar range so we all need to be worried about this this is not just a problem for the big businesses in fact the smaller businesses are probably the most vulnerable and we have the most at stake not only is our job at stake but our livelihood is at stake and especially in the case of a family business that's passed through generations. Please continue. You're doing very well. You're scaring me to death. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, the, the um, you know my uh, objective here is not to scare anyone, but it's to um, I, I think um, make people aware that there's more that needs to be done. So. It turns out that those who would like to possess our data, the cyber thieves, our adversaries, the bad guys, whatever you want to call them, they, um, they're in business too. And um, they want to. They, they are not concerning. They will steal whatever data they can steal. They have data centers and uh, big data analysis algorithms and so on. So they'll coalesce this data and find ways to make it valuable 
um, later. So they don't go out trying to get your credit card number. They go out trying to get any credit card number they can get their hands on, and they'll take all that they can, and then they'll find a way to get value for those later. They'll also steal medical records. They'll steal design drawings for new products. They'll steal employee information. They'll steal customer records. Um, in the old days, people used to do this thing called dumpster diving where they would go into the back alley of a competitor to see the night before a proposal was due, what price they were going to put in there by just pulling the papers out of the trash can. Well, you don't have to do that anymore. You can just penetrate their network and all these networks are easily penetratable and retrieve the information from us. So we have to do more to drive up the cost of bad guys doing business in our shops. So how do you do that? So it, it, there's a lot going on in cyber right now, and that's, an, um, and that's the right question to ask. So before what we used to do, was we made every attempt to keep them out of our network, from penetrating our network from the outside in. And we would do that by checking the patterns of the um, code that was coming into our network. And uh, that concept is called antivirus. Everyone has antivirus on their work computers, their home computers, and so on. The Mantech, which is one of the leading vendors of antivirus, uh, software just uh, in the last uh, few days or weeks here announced that antivirus is dead. And the reason is because we can't keep up with them. The viruses come at a faster pace than we can recognize the viruses and keep them out of our network. So the bottom line is they always have a way in. Or someone on the inside may be acting in a mischievous or malicious way. So what we... What, what we propose is let's pay attention to the same thing the cyber thieves are paying attention to, and that is the data itself. So if I own a business and I'm responsible for data, my employee data, my customer data, my vendor data down in my supply chain, whatever it is that's valuable to me, design drawings for my new products, whatever it is, I should know at every point in time where that data is residing within my network and when it leaves my network or my cloud storage facility, I should have a report that tells me where that data is going, who it's going to, how it's getting there, has it been altered or changed in some way. I should know all those things at all times. So that's what we are proposing people do is Still encrypt your data, still use strong passwords, but also pay attention to where your data is and where it's going. So how do you do that? Well, it just so happens my company, Global Velocity, has a product that helps people do that. Heretofore, Don, we've sold that only to large enterprises who've had the um, high-speed networks or and the network staff and the cybersecurity teams to be able to observe the results, analyze them, and react to them. What we've done now is taken all that powerful capability and made it available to small businesses by offering it as a, as a service in the cloud. So a small business now can, for just a few dollars a month per user, 
route their traffic through a service like ours in the cloud, and we can inspect all of the traffic before it's transmitted to the Internet and make sure that any data that is leaving the enterprise is doing so in accordance with that business owner's policy. Well, that's, a, that's exciting, and that's the reason you're on the, the, this program tonight. But um, I, I, I guess the best way, I'm a small business owner. I have 10 or 15 employees, and uh, I have maybe a part-time IT guy. I have to – how do you know – uh, how does he tell you what's go- uh, what's good and what's not good? I mean, there is some investment of time that needs to be done. Uh, do you guys understand what I'm kind of asking the question about? Yes, yes, I know. I know exactly what you're asking. And the first step in this is there are some um, uh, templates that uh, come in the software to handle things. Um, like payment card information or personally identifiable information or um, um, or in the case of healthcare HIPAA regulations or in the case of higher education or universities uh, FISMA so there are templates that that um, come with pre-installed in the service so you can just uh, sign up for it uh, click to route the traffic through us and then pick which ones you want to have apply to you now you can go a step further and you can say, I don't want you to tell me uh, just when something that looks like a credit card number goes by, for example, or a customer number or a patient number, but I want you to tell me when exactly the credit cards that I possess or the patient records that I possess um, or employee records and so on go by. And you do that by letting us examine those one time first. So there's a little interface you go into, you click, you point to your data, you let us see it one time, and then we can look for that uh, from that point forward. It doesn't take uh, an IT person uh, to do this, um, and we can pretty much walk anyone uh, through it, including uh, dentists and tennis pros and uh, people of all walks of life are really capable of uh, operating this for their business. Well, evidently you haven't uh, sold me yet because that sounds frightening to me. But um, uh, and I'm kidding a little bit because I'm 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 still learning the business. But let me ask you a question. Um, uh, as I research this for this program, we use uh, Verizon Business Net. Okay, and every time uh, I try to do anything different, uh, and I'll, I'll mention Verizon because they're they're my uh, people. Uh, I try to put anything in front of it. They're always c- coming back with with disclaimers or not permitting it. Do you actually go between my computer and the outside, or or where do you go in the, in in the process? Right, so what we're looking at is what's leaving your um, facility or your cloud data storage facility, wherever you're keeping your data. So we're we're not focused on what's coming in, which I think is primarily what you're referring to. What we're focused on is what is leaving because, after all, if someone does penetrate your network or someone on the inside decides to steal your data, they do it by sending it out. And so that's what we pay attention to is – what's leaving uh, the network. And, you know, most um, 
security uh, solutions that are available today are really focused on what's coming into your network. But we know um, that's no longer um, completely effective, if well, it ever was. Uh, well, ha having a, uh, twice experienced that, I, I know that. Uh, I can attest. I don't know. Uh, and, and by the way, you, you're absolutely right about that. I, I attended a, an IT conference that uh, the whole discussion was about the fact that uh, you can't keep them out. You better figure a way of, uh, of, uh, uh, of figuring out how to stop them when they're inside, or in your case, when they try to escape. Um, well, and this is and this is this is my primary point. And sorry to uh, stop your flow there, but it's it's why aren't we paying attention to the same thing they are, which is our data, right? That's what they came for. And um, you know, security offers to brag about the number of intrusion attempts that they deflected. Um, really, aren't getting to the point. The point is, what data did they get access to, and what did they do with that data when they did? And that's the kind of thing that we attempt to reveal for companies. Well, uh, well uh, let me ask you. Uh, well, obviously, we we'll wish we. Uh, let's talk about the Snowden. Um, uh, if would you have detected from him if if he uh, put a, uh, a disk drive or something, whatever you call that thing, to download the data? Would would a system like yours? Um, a service like yours detect that as well. Well, absolutely. If it were applied in the in the appropriate place where the data was being transmitted, um, we don't uh, have a whole lot of public information about um, how that data was exfiltrated. We do have more information, uh, for example, on the um, uh, WikiLeaks uh, example where Private Manning. Um, moved data from the State Department to the Defense Department and then copied it down to his um, uh, disk. Um, you know, that's, that information has been uh, released to the public. And there's an example where we could have sat at the trust boundary of the network between the State Department and the Defense Department and observed that act um, and either been, it could have been triggered by the data that was being moved or the volume of the data. Um, or the destination it was going to. There's a number of um, policy artifacts that contribute to um, an action being taken. So we could have prevented it or at least alerted someone that it happened and there still would have been time to deal with it. So that entire situation, um, at least in my view, was entirely uh, avoidable. Oh, um, I have your service. Somebody tries to pull something out of me. Do you then report back to me that something was tried? How does it work? How does it? How does the reporting work? Yeah, so um, it's it can it's it's entirely configurable um, by you, but you, we can have it report direct. We can have it alert you on your cell phone. Um, we can have it send you an email, a text, any any way that you like. Um, we can prevent the act from happening and tell you that the attempt occurred. Um, it's even possible if you're uh, if you're willing to do it to uh, allow the act to happen, but make you aware that it occurred and give you an opportunity to deal with it um, at the human level uh, if that possibility exists. But it's all all that um, uh, is part of the policy that you set, what action you take based on an exfiltration occurring 
is all determined by um, you in advance, and our system will take the appropriate action. Uh, and the, uh, the name of your website again and how people can reach you? It's, it's uh, Global Velocity is the name of the company, www.globalvelocity.com. And um, the best way to reach us is uh, through our website. You can click on there to make an inquiry. Um, I do believe we have an email address, sales at globalvelocity.com. That's um, people can make inquiries too. And uh, that's probably the easiest way to reach us. And uh, uh, your last piece of advice to uh, small business listeners, um, if, if you had one thing to say to them, what would it be? Take this very seriously. These, these are determined and persistent people that we are up against. And I am, one, tired of this country being an intellectual property and economic value creation drain for the rest of the world. We stood up the Internet, we invited the whole world, and now there are people, there are bad actors out there who are, who are taking advantage of this. Um, it doesn't cost that much money, and it's not that inconvenient to take a little bit more effort, <clears throat> engage a company like ours to do more to protect your data, make it more expensive for the bad guys to do business in my business than somewhere else. Couldn't agree with you more, and I hope you'll come back again uh, in a few months, and we'll talk more. Thank you so much. For I look being forward to it. Thank I you. I appreciate you having me on, and thank you for what you're doing. Well, well it's, uh, we're trying to educate small business, and you certainly gave us a lot to think about tonight. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for listening tonight. All of our guests are invited because they offer actionable advice to our audience. They do not pay to join us, but rather demonstrate their capacity for helping our audience add profits. Thank you for listening, and we'll be here again next week with other experts to talk about ways to improve your profit picture. Remember, we're here every week at blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest. If you like what you heard today, tell others about our efforts. If you would like to be a guest or suggest topics for future hours, email me at info at smallbusinessdigest.net. That's info at smallbusinessdigest.net. We would also like to remind listeners that besides our radio efforts, Small Business Digest comes to you via the web, through our video channel, and in our magazine. You can subscribe for any or all of these by going to smallbusinessdigest.net. That's smallbusinessdigest.net. Thank you, and have a good day.